What's splashing? And welcome to season five, episode two of Siren Sundays with me, your host, Lashanti the Siren. This show is focused on speaking with researchers, scientists, and practitioners of environmental science and all things conservation. So you are now tuning in to our conservation conversation. Today's guests are Dorlin Curtis Jr. and Alan Jones from the Island School at Cape Beluther Institute. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thanks for having us. <laughs> it's great to have you guys. As my viewers know, I don't oftentimes have multiple guests, but I am very excited to have you both. So can you quickly each take some time to introduce yourself, name, title, what you do, and where you work? Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll start. Um, <laughs> left to right. Um, so my name is Dolan Curtis Jr. Um, I grew up in, well, currently I am the assistant director for research and innovation at the Cape Luther Institute. Um, my research there currently focuses on mycology um, as a food source, as well as um, creating biomaterials. Um, since my time there, I've been, you know, working in quite a different systems with, um, you know, paper science, um, teaching students about waste management, um, and now delving more into the world of like mycology and materials has been a pretty exciting ride, to be honest. Um, I also am the co-founder of Food Post Farms. Uh, we are an organic closed loop farm in North Lutra. We specialize in vermicomposting, so like using earthworms to like break down food waste and producing chickens. Um, a little bit more um, kind of background, I you know kind of fell into the world of biotech. Um, just studying at SUNY um, in Syracuse, and you know I'm really really happy to be you know working in biotech here in the Bahamas, and yeah. Oh yeah, no, I just want him to quickly mycology is mushrooms, right? Fungi. <laughs> yeah, so mycology <laughs> is a study of fungi. Um, all things in the kingdom of fungi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Now to you, Alan. Sorry to oh, interrupt. Um, no, it's fine. Um, my name is <clears throat> Alan Jones. I am a practicing artist in the Bahamas for a little more than 10 years. Um mostly in photography and visual arts, studio visual arts. I started getting into sustainability, um, thinking of uh, organic kind of manufacturing processes about three years ago. Actually, I would say about four years ago, shortly before the pandemic. Um, I'm just kind of love with just anything around biodesign, sustainability, architecture, design in general, um, especially to so my role as a practicing artist in the Bahamas. I've, I've um, exhibited for a National Art Gallery three times, um, done a, a few installations and exhibitions in the country. And yeah, this this um, this has been a pretty, pretty cool project to work on, Bizarre. That's exciting. So how did you both decide to get into this project together, which is fusing, obviously, the sustainable materials into this artwork and design that you guys have been working on? Um, well, the video? <laughs> it was not like a very linear. Uh, <laughs> well, I think living in for me, well, at least for me, this was very much a, a iterative process just to even come up with the idea. It was definitely sparked by seeing some of the environmental issues that Eleuthera maybe specifically um, has 
um, definitely around waste management or just the, um, the understanding of what resources are. And, and this is very much on Dolan's kind of like his, his world, his bailiwick about being kind of like resourceful and seeing how things can have a second life. Um, and we saw an open call out on the National Art Gallery's Instagram page and just what happened about like a month ago, we saw this landfill on fire in North Luthera. Um, I think maybe you could cue the video. Yeah, cut to that video. <laughs> so this also is part of the installation. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so it would be, um, so the installation is titled um, Disposable Income. And it's just, um, so this video is basically showing the landfill on fire and how close it is to natural ecosystems, um, estuaries, wetlands, mangroves um, in general. And in the video, we have a title showing that, saying that the problem is right in front of you. So a lot of the problems that we face in this country, whether it be, you know, um, health issues, whether it be food, sustainability issues, these kind of issues that, you know, plague us, these problems can pretty much be solved if we reassess what resources are mm -hmm. a lot of times. Yeah. And I think on my end, you know, coming more so from a sustainability or like just waste management background. Um, so me, um, as well as our waste management tech, um, Ruben Gomez, like we operate, we manage the waste of the Adams School. And one of the most problematic or by volume, I would say waste streams was cardboard. And, you know, just processing that cardboard, like I would say every month um, for what we could actually like measure and collect, we probably produce about 400 pounds of just cardboard. Oh That's kind of like poundage. Could you think about everything that we order comes in a box, um, things that shipped. And for me, like the inspiration of this like particular installation was being able to take a material as simple as cardboard, which is mm -hmm. considered a waste, um and coming up with something useful and giving it a second life and for us like um you know alan and i we were like you know we have a problem let's utilize our expertise whether that's in industrial design or in waste management or in material science and try to formulate um literally a solution to this cardboard and that's kind of where the birthplace of this art installation came about is focusing primarily on you know, this material and how does this actually impact either us in supply chain, us as humans in our environment, and also in our waste management systems. So, yeah. right. so I think this would be a good time to show um, the process then on how you guys created the art exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, process wise, um, like I said, every week we shred anywhere from like I would say at least a hundred pounds of just cardboard, right? And so going through the process, um, I used to work in a paper mill in Michigan. And so was very used to like being in like heavy industrial environments that would probably have paper machines that are like literally almost the size of a football field. And so wow. I'm like, you know what, let's try this process on a very rudimentary level. You know, we mm -hmm. came up with the panels that, um, you know, Alan design. And that also came about through with just a lot of trial and error. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um the design for the for the for the panels, um, 
basically we looked, I think Dolan, it's, it kind of piggybacked off of uh, an exercise you did early on with the Island School about making paper, just sheets of paper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think successful, you guys made your own decals and whatever the, um, there's a different kinds of equipment. They kind of like made from scratch. And we knew we had <clears throat> some other uses for being able to repurpose this paper in general. And I don't think, what, did you guys use cardboard before or this was the first time you used cardboard? So before we actually, we used to like literally cook casarino. Um, oh, wow. But you make pulp from that. But then this mm -hmm. time we were like, you know, we have this issue with, with cardboard. Like let's try to make paper from materials that are readily available. Yeah, so, it's, that, it's that rethinking of what a resource is that I think kind of like made it interesting because you can make paper, pa making paper is not a new thing, but making something that can, from uh, from a source that was, you know, considered a, a disguise, we made it kind of interesting. Um, so these were kind of made specifically to address um, an Earth Day initiative that we had on campus. Um, so we made um, plates with these cardboard panels. So we basically treated the panels um, like raw material to then make plates. So we took this discarded material, gave it a new kind of like purpose to be used for various other things. And specifically for that initiative, it was to make paper plates. Um, nice. I mean, and that, like, that whole design process, like it didn't happen overnight. Um, you know, initially we were thinking like, hey, we have this challenge for Earth Day, you know, make an impact. Um, and we were like, well, what is the common experience of people on our campus? And the common experience was dining, right? So we were like, okay, we have a dining experience. Everyone's Everyone, got to eat. Yep. Everyone has to eat, you know, but how do we actually make an impact or send a message that, you know, sustainability is something that is very possible and material design is like something that impacts all of us. So I think initially I had a very crazy idea of, making plates from sea grape leaves right i was like you know which, this is going to be which great. is not a bad idea but yeah. when it's a campus of 100 plus people that's a lot of <laughs> that's, that's, a lot of ball, that's a lot of ball trees a lot of trees <laughs> to be not only that but it's like you can't eat guava duck or you can't eat sauce or you know, <laughs> or you know, like, you know? <laughs> not all sea grape leaves are like the same size you might right. go to some mm -hmm. trees that are like very small oh yeah mm -hmm. so and then we also had um, a concern from our dining hall staff that were like, I don't know if I trust a sea grape leaf to hold a plate of food. Right. You know, yeah. especially when you think about Bohemian dishes where you could have macaroni, peas, and rice, mm -hmm. chicken, coleslaw, fish. fish. So it's like, One plate. that's not all going to fit. So, you know, we <laughs> took that. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of took that in our design process and yeah. think about, okay, the requirements are it needs to be sturdy enough to hold a plate of food. Um, it needs to be sustainable or in our case, our design um, criteria was it needs to be compostable Yeah, because we don't want to be something that, you know, is going to be persistent in nature and then cause another issue. So I think we kind of took that as our first challenge. We made the paper plates and kind of strangely, mm -hmm. like a wild success. Honestly, our molds were literally and bowls too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they came out like surprisingly well. Um, and that design that we it just kind of happened. 
Yeah. Man, I can't uh, get a bully. I want to see this. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of like, I think that was also like, you know, we did all of this process and we were like, well, we should definitely think about answering this artist call from NADV. And that's literally what went into fabricating our story of this art installation. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. And I know we do have a comment in from YouTube from Kerwin. He says, you know, man, I just went to get some cardboard today for something. It's cool knowing there are more uses for it. Um, and would you say, oh, and also Mallory is saying those paper plates were awesome. Um, would you say that this process in creating even just these plates or even the, the method you use to take this cardboard for this installation is something that someone could do at home? I mean, I noticed in the video there was a blender going on and you had like the blender going and the water and you had it laying out in the sun. How easy is this for someone to just do at home? Like, if I had some cardboard, can I make can I make a plate? <laughs> I mean, in theory, yes. yes. Yeah, in I theory. mean, you don't yeah. have to my <laughs> you know, No, I mean, it, it is like you know, it's just a paper making like exercise. You know, it's it's in at its if you were to like deconstruct it, it's paper mache without glue. You know, basically. Okay. Yeah, huh, but I think when you think about materials like um a lot of these are just plant fibers and so you know we have a lot of people around the world that make um paper from things like jeans like cotton and okay. anything that's fibrous so i mean it is something that technically you can make but i think in like the way that we obviously came about we were like well yes we can make sheets but we want to take it a step further yeah and then making something that is unique knowing that it it's already a bit of a tough sell to tell people we want you to eat off of disposed cardboard <laughs> you yeah. have to address some of the like the aesthetic issues of which you want people to interact with and i think that's where all of the everything that we interact with is designed most things everything okay. even everything in nature in a way nature designs things right so if you design it with the intent of people wanting to eat off of it you it has to look similar to what they're already comfortable with it has to look like a plate it has to look like something that's familiar um and that's kind of like where my understanding of where like a lot of the, where a lot of my comments on like in the in the project came from it's like from a design aspect the science aspect and like making sure that it was actually rigid, could be sturdy, could be made. Um, that's definitely, that was more, I was leaning on Dolan's expertise on that, but we kind of like whether the, the, I think that's where this kind of project kind of shown the potential for the art kind of side of creating things, being, you know, playing more of a pivotal role. And what you said and really did suck to me, but that everything we interact with is design and how nature is by design. And then even just this project. So Dorlin brings that nature and you bring that design. So it was really nice to see those things come together in this art piece. Cause we're going to show it pictures in a few, but even just seeing that process and making that, it's really cool to just know that things don't have to just get thrown away and burnt at a dump. Like you can actually make things yes. more purposeful by design with the intent to have a longer life on this planet. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, look at what we do like every December. What do we do with cardboard? Oh my goodness. We throw it away. Well, we do, but we, we also, also make junk, junk in the costumes. Yeah. Oh, we do. Oh, you mean like that? Oh, see, COVID, man. Yeah. It's been two years <laughs> now. We haven't well, yeah, you know, triggering. But yeah, but that's, cool. <laughs> yeah that actually is yeah. very true. 
we do take cardboard and use it to make junker designs. I, had, I didn't even remember that. Yeah. But I think the big thing, I mean, it's like we're part of this project. It's like taking things that not say already exist in nature, but when our exhibit is taken down, as you'll see, well, what the exhibit looks like, it's installation, mm -hmm. like this entire thing literally can just go in a compost pile. You know, yeah. you think about how we create things like installations or install walls, etc. Just I mean, temporary things that we know have a temporary kind of like lifespan or even a circular lifespan, planning a circular lifespan of things from the get-go. I think that's important. A lot of help, yeah. Yeah, because I think we do when we have things like plastic and not to hate on anybody who uses plastic items, but it almost is like when you create that item, you move it out of that cycle because after you're done using it, it literally becomes useless. Whereas you have reusable things that continue. It, it just never comes out the cycle. You don't need to buy another one. You can keep going. Um, yeah. But would you say, is that a part of what this this art installation means? Yeah, that's. I mean, for me, um, coming from this material um, component, it's a huge part of it. Um, I think that's like one of the underlooked things is like, I mean, once you purchase something, it has to end up somewhere. And I think from <laughs> being first hand on the ground with like dealing with waste management, it's like, <coughs> unless, especially for our campus, if it can't be composted or recycled, it'll probably be incinerated, um, you know, and just to be responsible. So mm -hmm. I think it's like, we need to think about creating things that, um, yes, we want these to have certain properties, but is the material going to be compatible with like the downstream processing or can it even be recycled or composted or broken back down to regenerate life? And if it can be, then go back to the drawing board and find something else that can. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is like one of the key things in the installation. I mean, we don't overtly, I would say, say, um, you know, recycling is at the forefront, but I think for us, at least on my end, is like showing awareness that something that people would have never thought about using to construct or build a, you know, a partition, yeah. that it's, yeah. it's a structure. Yeah. yeah. Right. So do we um, want to show the oh, other sorry, video, of the virtual one, the one that you made with the tech, or do you want to go to the pictures now? I am excited. And we've been talking about it. And I'm sure some of our guests are curious to see, you know, what, what does this look like? So what are we, what are we looking at here? Is so this, this the installation? Um, yeah. So this is a wall of panels, basically like a barricade to just section off the area we were allotted to exhibit in inside National Art Gallery. And this was um, a, a Great collaboration between us and NGB and the persons on the ground making this all come to life, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we came into NGB, like we literally came into like bare bones. It was just the room. They just gave us like the wooden like frame that you can see Alan installing some of the panels, but it was literally like you walk into a room and we kind of gave them the design that we um, wanted to use. And they simply just gave us like the physical skeleton. And then it was up to us as the artists to now install these panels that we had into this space. So I'll keep going. Um, so these are just kind of some behind the scenes of like what the installation started off looking as. Um, um, and then this kind of one other part of the installation, the night of. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of 
But it literally took us three days. I mean, wow. I want to thank like the staff and NGB. Like, yeah, you know, initially it was just working virtually, but like getting there and like installing literally partitions made of cardboard. Um, and then this is kind of the final product, which were the, like the paper plates that we have on display. So we're kind of just showing the iterations that we had with making these paper um, plates. Um, you know, it started off very rough, I would say, yeah, or very crude. Um, just a refining then, process of it. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the cool. places you guys were using at the island school as well. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, those ones that would have been used would have been um, uh, composted already. So we made some more just for the walls. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go back. Um, so basically, the the purpose of the partitions is to show that you know there's various use uses for any kind of material. Um, especially something that could be upcycled. Um, it could be a plate, it could be something that, that could be a wall partition, it could be some, you know, soundproofing material, maybe, I don't know. But I was just going to say that. Can it be soundproofing? It, it kind of seems like some kind of like acoustic paneling. Um, but in, in general, it was just to show that you can literally have a room basically made of cardboard and it can look however you want. Grafting the cardboard to the wooden beams there was, although there was some pre-planned design, mm -hmm. there was a lot of just figuring, figuring out how we would actually just attach them to the wooden beams. Um, and how did so, you? <laughs> Is that the secret? Well, no, a lot of it was just like weaving it through on friction. Um, like on this panel here, oh, you no. can see there's yeah. gaps and it's almost like we had to sew the panels in, and it was pretty interesting because these ideas of like how to actually put it together were, you know, in your in your head as a concept and you can like draw it out, sketch it out and plan it. But then when you have like actual Newtonian forces, like gravity working on you, working on things, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's actually not going to work anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, also like making it lifelike, like I think when you design or the concept or something and then you're like, Okay, we understand that we can make a wall, but it also needs to be still within the aesthetic of like you know of an artist, like an artist an installation. Um, yeah. People, have, you literally have this room now to now install these panels, and I don't think you know with us making these panels on these plates. I think now when it came to like displaying making these now as a life size model or installation, it was like okay, rubber meets the road and. Like I said, Hard three days literally weaving and like you know shredding and everything. That was yeah. So mm -hmm. it was definitely a exciting, growing, um, amazing experience. It looks amazing. I definitely uh, one of the things that I think is kind of cool is it almost reminds me of how it looks when you plait straw. I don't know if that texturing was intentional, but in the in the picture before this where it was just alan up close with that panel like it really almost looks like straw and and i think that's so cool is that how did you get that texture like that so the panels the way that we uh make the panels we let them dry on this um tile structure that has mm -hmm. these pits in it. and when they dry they kind of just make these um basically like impressions, impressions yeah. on it okay. and that was like, we instantly loved the way it looked. 
I do too. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of just was not planned per se. Well, we kind well, of looked at yeah. some of the potential molds that we could have used, and we thought it might have an interesting pattern, but it came out way better than we would have imagined. Yeah, that's so yeah. great. And, and we do have a, a question now uh, coming in from Facebook. Amy's asking, is the material at home compostable or does it require particular landfill or industrial criteria to biodegrade? That's a very intellectual question, Amy. Thanks for no, that. No, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Great question. So one thing, so I mean, I always tell people like, although something says compostable and biodegradable, I have a personal issue with it. Um, <laughs> for one, as a scientist, for two, also as somebody that runs a composting company, mm -hmm. um, when you actually do put these materials in, anything is biodegradable. You know, like I would say most plastics, they technically will biodegrade. Now it's a matter of how long would it take to biodegrade or okay. is this something that is like, can be degraded within our lifetime? So a lot of the things that you see that are biodegradable, like the plastics, I think they are technically made from like polylactic acids. So there are like organisms <laughs> that can break them down. However, you kind of throw the cup outside and say, right. biodegraded, it needs special kinds of organisms that you mm -hmm. don't have linked Just like house. special situations, like mm -hmm. being more than 300 degrees yeah. temperature, yeah. just yeah. to be able to, but they will say it's biodegradable, but that's not, yeah, but naturally occurring biodegradation. Yeah, I think that's what the the, the person's yeah. comment was asking if the panels. Yeah, <coughs> are they? Uh, yes, they are. Oh, that's um, so and in terms of compostable, like I mean, yes, things are compostable when they talk about industrial. Um, there are some plastics or materials that they do require certain conditions, pressure, temperature, microbial blends to compost. So. I mean, I'm not saying don't buy compostable or biodegradable items, no, but they're still better than the alternative. However, they do require special conditions. Um, but in all honesty, you can put them in your compost pile. Like I still put compostable cups in our piles at glucose. Mm -hmm. And they do break down, but you do see the residual plastics that are still there. Like a lot of the coffee cups are lined with like some plastic, oh, like a film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still composted. I mean, I think it's still better than throwing it in the garbage. It'll break down eventually. Just put it in your compost pile a couple times. Yeah, because yeah, I know um, a former guest. Actually, he was on last week, Doctor Antolino Davis Lino. He was saying uh, one of my beach cleanups, well, island cleanups. We were by a canal. He was like. There's no such thing as throwing something away. What is away? Yeah. Where is away? Yeah. You can't just say yeah. you threw it away. So always you have to be intentional about your, like, you know, with waste management, you have to be intentional. Yeah. So um, buying this biodegradable, compostable things, although it may take a lot longer, like you said, it is a better option. Um, and I know there are a lot of people who are now starting to pop up around Nassau. And I guess you guys are in Eleuther. I'm not sure about the rest of the country that will probably even just take your compostable materials because they've got well-established compost piles. Because I know... Oftentimes it's not a good idea for everyone to start composting because a lot of times people don't do it properly. Do it. Yeah. But that's a that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but, but in reference to the piece that you guys created, which is obviously reflecting the sustainability and, and hinting to notes of this conservation, do you see a lot of other pieces like this? Or do you think that this is maybe the first of its kind or one of the first of its kind here in the Bahamas specifically? I haven't seen much. I do a little bit more research, but I don't think I've seen much art installations that try to have these multi-layered conversations around our 
waste management system, our, you know, proclivity to try and make um, upcycle things and how it's kind of like embedded in being in culture a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if, like I tell people when, when they went to the installation, they're like, what was some of the inspiration? It's like, well, if you grew up in a household and the cream can wasn't the best cup in the house, I don't know, because she was in fighting for that. But that's kind of like a, a, bit, a bit of our, you know, cultural history, because mm -hmm. we know if you lived on an island that wasn't getting a lot of shipments, you pretty much didn't have much resources in general. So right. grappling with that is our, you know, with that is our colonial past a bit. We have to figure out if this is the blueprint of our nation, how do we address that? If shipments is how we basically wheel and deal, how do we make that sustainable? I, I mean, I was, I don't know if I've seen any, in, I mean, I've seen definitely people do work with like recycled art material. Mm -hmm. um, like I think we had, was Keisha Oliver? Mm -hmm. Like I think they've had people who have done like, in, like art residencies, I think at the Island School before. Yeah. Um, okay. Like conservation and art, like using recycled plastic beach to make plastics. Art, beach plastic, et cetera. Um, nice. So I think like maybe that, but I haven't seen anything focused on like materials that are like, you know, you can grow um, or focusing on like compostable materials at the forefront of an installation. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of these, I would say, um, definitely places that like, you know, in Europe, and I think it's now becoming, you know, fashionable or on brand yeah. to now focus on like the material or compostable materials or natural materials at the forefront. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I won't say there is To be determined. I won't <laughs> right, say that be, yeah. exists, but I just haven't come across anything outside of like recycled plastic or metals, et cetera. Nothing really is particularly yeah. Because I know um, one of the things, and I'm glad you hinted to Europe, but one of the things when I was off to school in the UK that I thought was so interesting is that when it comes to the conservation sector, there is a very strong, well-populated art sector in conservation. Whereas in the Bahamas, when I came home, I kind of was like dabbling a bit, just kind of researching like the current artists and the most popular ones, obviously, like, what are they doing? And, you know, you have a lot of murals, you do have people that can sculpt and stuff. But I always said that, and I hope to start this one day. Maybe I can connect with Alan and we could, and you guys both actually, where I do a beach cleanup, I find bottles all the time. I find plastic and these different materials. And I'm like, maybe someone could use this to make art when it comes to like invasive tree removals. That castorina tree is so strong. Like we can make so many things out of this. And so it would be really nice. And I alluded to this a bit on the Instagram live that I did for my behind the scenes that we really should tap into this artist's our artist sector to work in sustainability and conservation because you have the poets, the painters, the sculptors who communicate messages to the public in a way that that I can't, that science can't. And so that was just a blur insert. But yes, it's definitely important okay. to see these things. Absolutely. And I think there is, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to like name drop, but I think there was a sustainable art installation at the current, if I remember maybe mm. two years ago or so, that I know they had collected a lot of beach plastic or plastic and they had stuffed it in this structure. Um, okay. And I know sometimes um, Antonius Roberts at like Project Ice in Old Trail, like Industrial Park, I know they do some work with like, mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, Casarina sculpture is another recycled yeah. material. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the only, I mean, thing or person to, to come to mind. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I do think um, even some of the sculptures out west by Clifton Heritage Park, I think those are made from Casarina, I think. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I think so. I'd have to yeah. double check. But, but yeah. more back to you guys' art piece. How can viewers, first of all, how can they go and see it? When can they go and see it? And how can people get involved with art and conservation, get in touch with you guys, and, and maybe even help with some of the work that you have upcoming in the future? Like um, well, it's starters. It's at the National <laughs> Art Gallery. <laughs> um, it's currently at the National Art Gallery, which is, I think that's Russell Street. So if people mm -hmm. aren't familiar, it's in Nashville. Um, if you're familiar with the Greycliff area, um, literally the National Art Gallery is between Greycliff and St. Francis Xavier Cathedral. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't miss it once you're on Russell Street. It's yellow, um, pretty nice building. Um, it's free for Bahamians. I think Bahamians can go there for free every day. It's a national, um, you know, office. And I think the only day they aren't open is might be Mondays. Okay. Um, but you can check the website, NAGB.org, I believe. Yeah. Um, so you can see it there, you know. Okay. Um, I think it should be up for another, another month. month. Yeah. Yes. We, we are also working on a digital twin of the installation that might have oh, some, things <laughs> some things that can probably only. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A digital tunnel installation. And um, it might have some elements that can only exist in a digital environment. They might have some interesting pieces that are like larger or take, a, take advantage of that space. Um, but we're still working on it. We're still working on, you know, ways that we can make the platform accessible to everybody and make the experience unique for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, I mean, in this video, we're basically showing like, we're trying to at least create a virtual installation or a, mock or a twin of our current installation in VR. Yeah. Um, and so these, what you're seeing, like this particular, um, structure is, is actually the panels that we designed yeah mm -hmm. so we've actually put the physical panels digitized, digitized, digitized yeah. made them yeah. as digital assets so that we can manipulate them in virtual space um and the the the, the process if, I, if we had this um when we were planning it a lot of the ifs and ands would have been answered like <laughs> <lickety -split. laughs> So I'm here laughing at those people that are like, you know, with the Oculus or those like VR glasses. <laughs> this is literally uh -huh. what we've been doing for the past few weeks is like in the VR space, trying wow. to make um, this art piece or this art installation accessible. Um, if you can yeah. go to the um, back of the slideshow, there are some images of... Uh, this is kind of the view of... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to, I don't know why that was so funny. Oh my gosh, that's you. <laughs> yeah, of my avatar trying to put a panel up in VR with a, a large projection of the video in the background. And so you can, I mean, it's it's amazing how you can utilize technology to like make the world smaller. Because mm -hmm. for the longest, I mean, I have family in Grand Bahama. Most of my family's from, but I am from Grand Bahama. So most of my family's in Grand Bahama. And so, even I could even I could send a you know a link. A, a link to my grandmother and she can maybe experience you know the installation in ways yeah. that 
it's similar to someone else's experience. So just seeing how we can leverage the technology to either extend the lifespan of the installation, but also allow it to be viewed and accessible by persons who can't physically see it. Right. Was um it kind of like was pretty important to try that out. Oh, this is so cute. <laughs> Low key I've was never seen cool. this, so this is like, <laughs> <laughs> like wow, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. So um, I think I'm definitely about to make my way out this week to come and see this art exhibit. So yeah. I'm excited. I mean, other ways that people can be involved, you know, I think yeah. um, you know. Something as simple, like we all, like part of our installations do is just trying to create, um, collect data on just, you know, waste audits and like for people to kind of actually understand what they throw away. And I think I could probably share the link with you all with the Google survey, but what we were simply trying to do is just collect um, data about people's waste behavior or their habits. Um, you know, I think in, the, in our country, you know, one thing we don't really have or we need to do more of is like data collection and things like something as simple as waste. Like yeah. understanding like what is our population throwing away, like how much pounds of waste of they're creating. So I think what that actually helps us to do as artists or as people that work in conservation, we can say like, okay, most of these households, they're saying 80% of their waste is cardboard. Well, now, you know, we can now design a waste management system that can cater to this particular waste stream. And so when we think about material design, like it's not just like creating an installation, it's about the entire system as well. How it can be in yeah. integrated into other other systems. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think the questions are almost um, in a way trying to maybe realize maybe these aren't questions they haven't asked themselves in the survey, would yeah. you say? It's true. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I think a lot of people are unaware of that. Yeah. Like yeah. how much I can say exactly. Oh, no, no, no. I, was, I literally said exactly what I was going to say. I can say literally from just doing a simple audit every week, you know, like um, we've been able to like just to see what we throw away. Like, um, I think that's super important. And then just putting these systems in place, like um, you would be very surprised. It's like the amount of waste you generate if you were to just take a moment. Like just pause for like maybe even two three days and like let me just sort what I generate and yeah. then actually map out or just assess um, what I threw away. And I, I know think I, it will help to change behaviors to some degree. Oh yeah, yeah. I know for me for sure. Um, I'm very new to like being more conscious about my weight, and so it was a big shock for me when I kind of like started to look and I started to like self-assess and i'm like ooh, that's a lot of freezy bags and this you know <laughs> or a lot of uh, with them dorito packages. dorito and yeah. no matter the, the, the i just had a big bag one time just yeah, <laughs> yeah. these little small bags don't make much sense mm -hmm. but no but that even that even that's impacted even my like shopping habits in terms of like even if i am buying something how is it being packaged is it like a glass Kind of packaging is a plastic packaging is a paper packaging and sometimes you'll find a lot of the items you would shop for exist in multiple packaging forms and you yes. might go for the glass version as opposed to the plastic package version whether that's mm -hmm. a, a jar of salsa salsa coming plastic or coming glass and you got that can actually sway yeah. what you want mm -hmm. what you want to buy 
And I would say one, I mean, think the part of people can get involved as well. Like, I think, you know, in the Bahamas, um, I would say definitely understanding packaging because, like, literally that's kind of what we're trying to show is, like, how this, these, this car bomb is literally just the packaging. That was an Amazon. Packages. That was an Amazon. Like, most of these things are just Amazon. Yeah, packages. Amazon popular. Um, <laughs> like, materials, so, like, in the Bahamas, aluminum is recyclable. We can recycle glass. Oh, really? As we, yeah, um, like I catch for kids as well as like plastics, one, two, and five. So, like, for me personally, when I go into the store, I'm like, okay, if I buy a Coca Cola, I'm definitely not buying in a plastic bottle because it can be recycled technically, but um, aluminum is easily it's recyclable, it's infinitely recyclable. And then glass, mm-hmm. you know, certain processes can crush that, turn that back into like an aggregate. So, I think, you know, what this installation of our viewers is just understanding. The relationships that material packaging plays um in our like environment and sustainability and like you know and i'm sure but like you said doing beach cleanups or just surveys a lot of these things that probably do wash up on the shore are just oh, yeah. integrated packaging yeah yeah mm-hmm. so imagine if you know you probably had a material that was packaged in something compostable it might wash on shore but It'll break down. Nature will break it down pretty quickly. Yeah, I know. I saw, I feel like this was a couple of years ago where there was some beer company or some soda company or some company that was doing six packs. And instead of like plastic rings, they were doing like this, um, whatever the material was, if it got into the ocean, the fish could eat it. And I was oh. like, oh, brilliant. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know where I saw that, but things like that, you know, it's just so easy to, to reduce waste and, like you guys it was spot on with like even when you're in the grocery store i always like internally cringe when i see someone put the bananas in a plastic bag why are you doing they're already already wrapped (laughs) right so um but as we start to wind down do you guys each maybe have some final thoughts for viewers words of experience or inspiration that you have from your career thus far um my career has been like I've literally worked in like higher education, paper science on a farm at the, you know, Cape Luther Institute. I would say, you know, um, just start and try. Like I would definitely say in my professional experience, like things that you might have reservations about are like, oh, people can think it's weird or like, just do it. I think, you know, if you're passionate about something, people would see it. Um, and that's the only way that things actually you know, come about, especially in our small countries, like, I think more people need to be more passionate about things that are actually beneficial. And I think the more of us that do it, I think that helps with national development. And then just honestly, work, um, the power of collaboration and working um, together with people that not are always like-minded, then we might share similar interests, but, you know, that are, can bring things to the table. I think that's really important. Like, even with this collaboration, like I can be honest, I'm not great in the virtual space. I'm not an industrial designer, but I can produce materials that, you know, Alan can then design around or with. So I think that is my, um, you know, professional advice. Yeah. I mean, and just to piggyback off of um, what Dolan is saying, um, a lot of it is just we need to start investing in. Passions, passions, because I think in the Bahamas we have a 
a kind of a mindset of we just have to make money, we just have to do this, we just have to do that. And it's it's and it it leaves us not even knowing what our like our souls are. Like, you know, if you're just fulfilled by uh, a, a a greed or a a social trend, that's mm-hmm. that's not really that's not really gonna help you in the long run. That's so true. I, and I love that. The just start and try it and then invest in your passion. I think a lot of people, and even on the show, we've had a lot of guests who always say, you know, I was interested in science. My parents pushed me to be a doctor. And yes, that can make you money. Yes, that's science. But it's so important to find your niche, find your purpose. And you only can find that if you follow your passion. Like, what do you like to do? What lights your soul on fire? And and that's important. And I think, like you said, in the Bahamas, we have been really doing a poor job at, at kind of investing in our youth to follow their passion. We just have these like three or four tracks that we try to push them in. And and oftentimes they get scalded for wanting to do something different, wherein you might end up making more money than a doctor does if you, if you choose something different. Right. So great. Awesome. And so the last question where we go for each of you, who is someone who inspires you and why local or international? Mm -hmm. I would say personally. So, okay. I would say my uncle, his name is Richard Johnson. Um, okay. I think he inspires me a lot more than I would probably give him credit for. Um, I think, you know, coming, moving back home, like, um, like I basically, I guess, established more of a relationship with my uncle. Um, we never really, I mean, we're cool, but like we're now business partners at Food Post. But he, like, I see a lot of myself, you know, in him, but like his passion of like waste management. So he used to, actually have a contract with managing the landfill in North Lutero. And I'm just like, sometimes I go to his place and I'm like, how do you build that? Like, you know, like taking literally building things from nothing off the scratch. I think that is something that inspires me, um, you know, being able to see the value in like literally waste, I think is, you know, that culture and philosophy that he has is, kind of inspiring and even though it might not be like broadcasted like you know it's just in his own small world i think that's to me kind of inspiring yeah, yeah. that is that was really nice yeah, <laughs> we literally, yeah oh. so um no, i'm gonna hear that we literally what <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, if you were to come to like we literally built this farm from like literally the landfill like the dump i mean we come to that quite a lot um from the north of the but i like to call it you know the bahamian home depot nice because people throw away a lot of stuff in north and, and for our viewers we actually do have you coming back on in march right to talk about food post farms yeah. so for anyone who was curious about that we are getting growing back sadly not with alan but i might try and get out <laughs> for another episode in the future too so okay um inspiration a lot i mean just being in the Bahamas, um, growing up in the Bahamas, um, like I told, like I thought, uh, uh, again, a topic that came up about like, how is like upcycling now becoming trendy around the world? Um, I'm like, Bahamians been upcycling since John Canoe, if, to be honest. So this is not nothing new to the Bahamas. Um, like I said, uh, a example, the tin, the tin can cup was considered the best cup. So if that's not upcycling, 
before it was trendy, I don't know. So a lot of the inspiration is just my experiences growing up in the Bahamas, my family, um, understanding how being resourceful is actually extremely beneficial, just not just for your wallet, but for the environment in and of itself. It's true. It's true. I like that. You are inspired by the Bahamian people of old, our elders who carry yes. these traditions on. Yeah. Because I do find even when I do visit other islands that probably I would say are not as urbanized as Nassau, because I think Nassau is so a city and everywhere else is so much more rural. You find just like little habits that they take in daily, like saving the cans, saving the jars, and they find different uses for these things. They don't just throw it away. Um, we can learn a lot, a lot from the older generations in the Bahamas before we got so so urbanized you know um, yeah yeah because that that whole culture thing that's a whole nother episode again like where i feel like we're losing it and we need to to get yeah. hold of it and so um but yeah thank you guys so much for being on this episode this was so great i'm definitely excited to have darling come back in a few weeks alan i gotta try to get you on an episode to talk about art <laughs> and thank I'm you everyone there. for watching who are riding the wave with us on another episode of siren sundays to you guys who are watching, to you guys who are listening later on the podcast. I hope to see you all soon. All waves yours, Lashanti the Siren. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.